Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Wednesday? A little bit different show today. This is the first edition of the Nick Broker Show. I think I teased it a couple weeks ago um, when doing another podcast. Took some time to get some approval, but uh, this is something we'll do part of the uh, Young Alumni Collective which is under the un- under the umbrella of the Grove Collective. Basically, the idea behind it is, is for younger alumni to give whatever amount of money they can to actually still get real access to some of these football players. So if you have a business out there looking to get in or give to the Young Alumni Collective, uh, get in touch with me. I can put you in touch with the right people. But uh, if you want to watch this show, it's also available on the Lo- Young Alumni Collective's YouTube page. So this will be a video series as well, and I believe we will get this Nick Broker show up on the Rebel Grove YouTube as well. Don't quote me on that yet. I'm pretty sure that's happening, but we'll have to see. Anyway, a little bit different show today. When we get into the season, we'll do these somewhat frequently, but it will not be one of the three pods of the week. This will be a standalone thing. So once we get in the flow of football season, this will just be uh, additional content for the people out there, if that makes sense. So anyway, let's get to the Nick first edition of the Nick Broker show. All right, welcome into the Nick Broker Show presented by MIMS Insurance. Matt MIMS, independent insurance agent there in Oxford. Just give him a call on his personal cell phone number at 601-218-7854. Make your insurance easy. Gas is expensive right now. Everything's expensive. Uh, You don't need to let insurance be expensive as well. Matt MIMS, independent insurance agent there in Oxford. He will shop your quote around to 10 different insurance agencies, whether it's auto, home, life, Boat, congrats on a boat if you have one of those. Um, whatever you need insured, MIMS Insurance will take care of it for you. Longtime friend of mine, wouldn't send you to uh, anyone I don't trust. You can shoot him a text at that number, call him, whatever. Make insurance easy with Matt MIMS Insurance. You won't regret it. Give him a call today. Again, that's 601-218-7854. We have the man of the hour here, Nick Broker, the first edition of the Nick Broker Show. How are you, man? How's your summer going? So far, it's going pretty good. Uh, just been pretty busy with workouts and school and everything. But, you know, it's been great. You know, it's always great to be in Oxford, and especially during summertime. So what's this time of year like for you guys? You're about, as we talked about right before we started recording, you're about three weeks outside of camp, right? You report the second or whatever, and then you kind of get going after that. In this month or so leading up, I know you all had summer workouts earlier in the year. What is this, like, next three to four weeks like for guys um, before they report? Yeah, so a lot of guys were still allowed in summer classes, so that'll wrap up around the 27th, 28th. Um, you know, and right now we're just really working out, running, trying to get in shape and everything and doing some drill work. You know, the coaches are enjoying. They get a little vacation period that they're on right now so they can kind of unwind before they really get into the grind of this season as well. But, you know, just a lot of workouts, you know, some individual drills and everything and just trying to get the body right before camp starts and a long season ahead. This is a little bit of a different year for you, right? Because you're in a new position. And I know we talked about this a little bit before in the past, but you make the move from tackle to guard. And, you know, on the surface, I, it would seem like kind of a, a kind of a selfless move, right? Because they bring in Mason Brooks um, to kind of fill in the tackle spot that you left behind. But for you, it was actually pretty, pretty beneficial, right? Take me through the process of making the move from tackle to guard and kind of how that reached an inflection point really with like your NFL feature. Take me through what, what led to the move. Yeah. So when I got all my NFL feedback after last season ended, you know, the big thing was that my arms aren't very long and 
that I wouldn't fit the, you know, the prototypical tackle, tackle mold for that reason, but, you know, it's perfect for guard. So I think for me, that was kind of one of the big, you know, components of why I decided to make the switch. Yeah. And like, that's one of those things. Like, it's not like you got feedback and someone was like, ah, this kid can't cut it. Like, it's not like you can take something. I don't know. There may be some weird HGH out there, but I don't think you can make your arms longer. I don't think that's how that works. So it seemed like a pretty matter of the fact deal, right? Like you get that feedback. It was probably, I imagine it was pretty welcomed by you, right? Like rather than playing another year at tackle or whatever, at least you kind of know that now and you can get adjusted. Yeah, that's kind of the big thing is now, you know, I can't put the guard tape out there and I can kind of acclimate now rather than, you know, doing it at the next level. And I remember talking in 2018 or 19, I think it may have been your freshman year, um, just in general, we were sitting at a practice one day with Jack Bicknell and he was talking about his days in the NFL. And he remember, he was talking about a time, I think he was with like the Miami Dolphins and he, uh, he would have to fight guys during camp on like, they'd be like, no coach, I'm a guard or no coach, I'm a tackle. And he'd be like, no, you're not. Like we have seven of you, eight if we're lucky. Like we have five starters and then you are whatever the guy in front of you gets hurt at. Like he, you will go in at that position. There's no such thing as really guard and tackle beyond some pretty obvious exceptions in the NFL. And like on a more serious note, I imagine that type of versatility is only going to help you as you go through this year and at the next level, because you're going to have both on film. Yeah, that's another key part is, you know, they love versatility because, like you said, you know, other than some of your guys like, you know, Trent Williams, I mean, there's, you know, you got you don't really have guards and tackles. You really just have offensive linemen. So being able to play both will, will do nothing to help me, I think. What has that transition been like? I like guess it's, it's probably different than some other position switches. Like I know they've had – I remember some old Miss guys when, when I was on the beat where they go from receiver to defensive back. And, like, that's a whole new deal. This doesn't feel as different. But for someone that doesn't know a ton about offensive line play, how would you explain the difference between guard and tackle and what you have to do and learn? Yeah, I mean, it definitely is an adjustment. You know, I think the biggest things for me is, like, the angles of it are a lot different. You know, you kind of have some bigger bodies and guys a little closer to you. But you have guys, you know, working on you on each side. So – I mean, I feel like the biggest thing is definitely the angles of it are a little bit different, kind of this spatial awareness and the quarterback depth is a little different. Is there any part of it that's like, I don't want to say it's a relief because I know guys like you that played, you know, high level SEC football are always like kind of seeking out challenges, but you're also not like ever having going to really be put on an island with some freak defensive end from Texas A&M or whatever. Like, is, is that a little bit of relief? And is there, like, an inverse of that? Like, is there something that's a hell of a lot more challenging at guard that you don't have to face at tackle, if that makes any sense at all? Yeah, I mean, you kind of nailed it. I mean, the biggest thing is you're not really on that island with some of the speed and some of the length on the edge. I mean, you have definitely have bigger bodies on the inside. But, you know, I feel like that, those are kind of the biggest differences between the two as far as pass pro and things like that go. And I kind of glossed over it a second ago, but like beyond like the arm length and like you moving to guard this year, like say just a year and a half from now and you're with an NFL franchise, you know, a guy gets hurt. Like I imagine you would be one of the better guys that they could kind of move over there. Because it's not like you can't play tackle. Hell, you started in the SEC as a true freshman. Like that doesn't really happen. So like it's, it, it's more of like kind of a versatility play than anything else, right? Like it's not like you can't go in the NFL and play tackle. It was more just feedback about being a little bit better suited to guard, right? Yeah, I definitely say so. I feel like, you know, definitely can still play tackle. You know, I wouldn't be opposed to it again, you know, if something happened this year and the NFL as well. But like you said, you know, for just how my body's built and everything, you know, guard's probably more of a natural fit for me. And I kind of want to go back to that for a little bit. Uh, your freshman year, 
Um, I remember doing a story on you. Uh, I actually talked to Sean Rawlings and a couple of different guys with that because Rawlings kind of got thrown in the fire in, at Alabama in 2015. You started your first ever college game at Memphis at left tackle playing high-level college football. And, you know, for people out there listening that may not necessarily be as in tune with it, for as much as college football has become kind of plug-and-play with high-level recruits, that's not really true on the offensive line. You don't really have dudes that go plug-and-play. Hell, I remember when Laramie Tunsil got here, he didn't start his first couple games. They kind of eased him into it. What was that like for you coming in as a freshman? I don't remember. I don't – were you an early enrollee? I don't think you were. Did I have that? I was not. Good – I mean, good, good. God, even even more kind of insane. What was that like for you? Because you go from – I imagine you went to prom, graduated high school, all of a sudden you're in fall camp, and then, boom, you're a starting tackle in the SEC. What was that like for you, and what did you learn from that? Yeah, it was kind of a, a whirlwind, honestly. It was crazy, just like you said. I mean, I was just kind of in it. Um, so from that, you know, it was really cool. I think it definitely really benefited me now just so I can kind of, I mean, I've got a lot to like really look on or reflect on from that season, but I mean, you just can't, I feel like there's nothing you can really prepare for once you get to the game, just cause it's so different. Like, I mean, even when you walk on the scene, you're like, wow, there's a lot of people here. I mean, it's not like that in high school football and the next thing they're on TV and everything. So, uh, you know, but what really benefited me was I had a really good group of older guys that really helped me that had played a lot before me that, you know, kind of settled me down and got me in the right positions to, you know, make everything and learn everything. You did have some older guys in that offensive line, and I keep kind of drawing the parallel to Rawlings. He kind of had the same thing with the Justin Bell and some of those – and Robert Conyers and some of those other guys. How much did that help? Because like you said, as much as uh, – it's like who kind of helped you too, if you want to throw them in there. But like as much as you say you can't prepare for it, having older guys around you, I imagine is a hell of a lot better than having, I don't know, a couple of sophomores to your right or whatever, to where it's like, oh, this is not our first go round, but we're not as experienced either. Who kind of helped you through that and how much of a factor was it in helping you? Yeah, I mean, Alex Givens and Royce Newman were probably the main two. You know, I saw Ben Brown, he was a very big help for me as well, and Eli Johnson, but. You know, I had Royce next to me who started 16 games as a rookie last year, and the other tackle was Alex Givens, who had started for a long time. You know, Ben was playing right guard at the time. He had started the whole year before, and Eli was in his fourth year. So other than me, it was a really veteran group, so they were kind of able to show me even, like, little things like this is what, you know, this is how it's going to be on the or the road and how to, how to approach it. So, you know, even by the time I played, I mean, I was nervous, yeah, but, like, once the ball was put down, you know, I felt perfectly fine. I felt good out there. So, you know, I credit a lot of them a lot of my success in them. You kind of beat me to it there. That was one hell of a hot day in Memphis. Um, and a kid kind of coming from the Midwest, like, I mean, I know you'd been through fall camp and been through a hell of a lot of heat at that point, but like now you're in game action. Is, is weight difficult at that point to, to keep on? Because even guys that are kind of used to that heat in their two, three years in the program, when you go through camp at that heat, is it struggle? Like, is it difficult to put on weight or excuse me, not put on, but kind of keep it on throughout that. Like, what were you kind of weighing at as a true freshman entering that game? Yeah, my, my true freshman year was really hard for me uh, just because I didn't really know either. You know, I didn't really know how nutrition really worked and all that stuff, you know, how to properly, like, feed myself and hydrate and all that good stuff. And I think I played my freshman year. I don't think I ever played a game above, like, 296. I was kind of hovering wow. between 293, 295. And, uh so, I mean, there was games, you know, I'd like at right afterwards, I'd have to eat a lot just because, like you said, like it was so hot. I think the Alabama game, too, Alabama was like a 2.30 kickoff and it was, you know, scorching outside. Yeah. So, you have plenty of games like that in this league. But, um, 
yeah, like you said, I mean, at a certain point, it kind of takes a toll. But I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's really good. You know, I'd rather do that sometimes. And it's like, you know, negative 50 outside. Right. <laughs> but, the uh, so what's the nutritional side is actually kind of fascinating to me because I keep bringing up Rawlings. I just kind of know the guy. He talked about his freshman year. He like I just thought it meant you go to the secret Wendy's where the movie theater is now and order just like thirty five bucks worth of food and try to cram it all down to kind of add weight or whatever. But that's not really the case at all. Like how, how do they when you talk about not understanding how nutrition works and then them kind of showing you how it works? What actually goes into that to keeping you guys at weight because. Some of you guys, like when you finish your career, like what you weigh like a year after, what you kind of look like a year after is kind of amazing kind of what they get you guys kind of looking like from a muscle mass build. What is that like? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it for, for me, what I've really learned is like prop, like how to have the proper plate as far as like you want to have your carbs, your vegetables and your protein and have some fruits as well. And those are things I didn't really understand like in high school because I just ate whatever my mom and dad were cooking that night. It wasn't like I really had to like, fend for myself or like learn how to cook or anything like that so um and like just how important you know it is not just for that moment but how much better it makes you feel like even a day or two after like how you know how long-term beneficial it can be as well as you make this transition from tackle to guard i imagine you're not doing a whole hell of a lot different in terms of your preparation going into camp is there something specific you're going you're trying to work on or have tried to work on this off season as you enter camp i guess that could be regardless of the position switch either yeah definitely still trying to work on some of the uh, hand placements so that's kind of my biggest thing is you know working on hand placement and getting the hands right and then still you know angles at guard so those are kind of like the two big things absolutely you you know as you after you go through something like your that your freshman year i imagine you're relatively fearless like if you go through and you make it an entire year at tackle in the sec as a freshman i bet imagine i imagine by the time you're a sophomore one you probably felt like a senior in a lot of ways but like was like how much confidence did that give you? Cause I, I would just at that point, just be like, well, there's really nothing that can phase me at this point if I got through that. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, I mean, I definitely felt like more of a vet than I really was just because I played so much and did a lot. And, you know, like you said, I think it was a big confidence boost for me as well. Knowing like not only can I do it, but I did it at such a young age, you know, I mean, it's definitely something I'm very capable of doing. As you kind of enter this year, you've had, you've kind of seen, both I don't want to say both sides of the program but you kind of seen this program take off when you were there right like you came in you played for coach Luke um then Lane Kiffin gets hired I know those first couple years just from a sheer result standpoint probably weren't or excuse me I guess it'd just be that first year that 2019 year probably weren't the easiest from a result standpoint kind of take me through the coaching transition all the way up to these last two years and what it's kind of been like to really kind of be put on the map and be nationally relevant and you know play in a sugar bowl and all that with even higher aspirations this year what's that been like for you yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, that's you know, I'm really competitive. You know, I hate to lose more than I like to win. I feel like winning for me is just you know more of an expectation, and I think that's kind of how Coach Kiffin and the whole staff really thinks. You know, we just we want to win every game. You know, every week it's trying to be one and zero, and now we're in a position where like we can say things like that and go into these games and go into these big moments and you know expect to win. We're not playing to lose, which is a big factor. So I credit a lot of that to Coach Kiffin. And you chose Ole Miss over Ohio State, right? Like you're a Midwest kid, you're getting recruited pretty hard by them. How does a kid from that area where it's kind of a natural draw to the Big Ten, Ohio State's kind of the pinnacle of that, what sold you on Ole Miss and Oxford? Yeah, I could even 
you know, when Coach Luke was here, I just kind of fell in love with everything. I fell in love with that staff at the time. I fell in love with Oxford and University of its, itself. And, you know, I can kind of tell, you know, right away that with the guys that were coming in that we were going to do something really special. And, you know, just getting the opportunity to play SEC football and playing the SEC West, I didn't think there was anything better than that. What do you enjoy most about playing for Kiffin? I always like asking guys that question because they always just kind of smile and crack up because he seems like such a player's coach that people just – like. and Luke was this way too. So you've kind of in a lot of ways played for a couple players' coaches. But I'm just curious in general what Kiffin's like because it seems like you guys have a hell of a lot more fun than some other places do when you're kind of going about the daily grind of football. Yeah, like you said, he's a huge players' coach. And then – you know, he kind of allows us to be ourselves. He doesn't really force us to be something we're not, you know, and I, I really enjoy that. And I think a lot of guys really enjoy that because we can really be ourselves. But, you know, when it's time to work, it's time to work, and we, we have to respect that. When he came over, what was the process like for you? Like, I mean, anytime there's a coaching change now with the option you, you guys have available to you, I imagine in the back of your mind you're always, like, considering your options. All right, is this the best place? Like, did you ever even consider going anywhere else, or were you kind of sold on Kiffin from the start? What was the transition like? I never considered transferring. You know, I always wanted to be here and uh, play for Ole Miss, especially after my freshman year, just really getting to fall in love with the university even more and, you know, being at such a high level. And, you know, once Coach Kiffin came in, I feel like everything really started to click as well. You know, I thought I thought Coach Luke did do a really great job. I and mean, when you look back at him, I mean, we, granted, we, we were 4-8, but we were really close in a lot of those games aside from LSU and Alabama. You know, you could tell there was a lot of young talent there. So I think, you know, Coach Kiffin's obviously done a great job of really taking us to a new level where, you know, last year went to the Sugar Bowl. And I think as a team, we have even higher expectations this year. Yeah, absolutely. As as we kind of get into this year, you guys tasted a, like kind of being, you know, a nationally top six, seven program in the country, um, played on a huge stage there in the Sugar Bowl. For you in your last year, like what are you kind of looking forward to both individually and collectively as you guys enter another year where you have really, really high expectations? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, there's really high expectations and I feel like, you know, that that's kind of a good thing in a way, um, you know, it kind of puts a little bit of a bullseye on you. But I mean, for us, you know, we've we've really come together and, you know, started to do things the right way, which has been really cool to see, you know, especially in your last year to kind of see the camaraderie and everything come full circle. You know, it's really fun to see things like that. Is it fun for you guys to try to build off success like that? Like, I know that's kind of a simplistic question, but, like, you do – you return a decent bit, but you lose, obviously, kind of the heart and soul guy in Matt Corral who was just unbelievable in so many ways. But is it kind of fun for you guys to try to kind of like, all right, we did this once, but let's reload and kind of try to do this again despite losing, you know, your main signal caller? Yeah, definitely. I feel like even after we won the Outback Bowl, you know, we kind of got a taste of – you know, winning a bowl game and, feel, and that feeling. And I think after that, you know, right away we just wanted more. And, you know, losing the Sugar Bowl was just such a bad feeling that I think that's something we think about and we don't really want that taste in our mouth anymore. As you guys kind of enter the in, enter camp, you have two guys kind of fighting for the quarterback job. I'm not going to pin you and be like, who's going to win or something like that. But what is it like you know, not having – what's it like going into a camp where you don't have a guy, right? Like you're kind of trying to figure that out. You're behind two different guys. Like how different is that? as opposed to kind of like last year where it's like, all right, Matt's our guy. Let's just, like, you can kind of go from there. What's that like? Yeah, it's really interesting uh, kind of seeing it and watching them compete for it. Um, I kind of compare it to John Rice and Matt because I feel like in 2020 there was a yeah, bit of a, a quarterback, a little bit of a quarterback um, battle. Uh, it's similar to that, you know. I mean, it's a little different because they're the same age and uh, neither, you know, we kind of knew what we had with 
John and John Rice and Matt, you know, they'd both played the year before, but we've only seen Luke. Re- Luke's really only played in one game, and uh, Jackson hasn't played here yet. So, you know, from that standpoint, it's really interesting. But I thought they both competed really well in the spring and both did a really great job. And I imagine from, like, the Luke standpoint, I mean, you can speak to this as well as anyone. There's really no replacing experience. You talk about getting thrown into the fire. He gets thrown in against that pass rush in the middle of the Sugar Bowl. If nothing else, however it shakes out, like, I imagine he won't really fear much either. Not that Jackson will either, but he just – in some ways, it kind of similar to you where it's like, all right, this is your time whether you're ready or not type of thing last year for him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he kind of got put in a little bit of a, a shaky situation. You know, you never really think that your quarterback's going to be hurt and – things like that but I thought Luke did really did a great job you know he managed the offense well he did what he was supposed to do he made a lot of plays out of the pocket that looked really that were really well and you know he just got unlucky on two throws really other than that I thought he did a great job as for as an older guy who's now this is your kind of your last run in college football is it difficult at all to kind of balance the present versus what might happen in the future? Is it relatively easy to like block it out? Like, I, like you were able to kind of lock in on the season, the NFL is what it is, or how like kind of prevalent is the next level in your mind over these next three, four months? Yeah. I mean, I think about it from every, you know, time to time when I'm laying in bed, but it's, it, you know, try to just take it day by day. You know, I'm still in college, you know, I'm trying to do whatever I can to help us win games and, do whatever, you know, whatever I can to, you know, help the younger guys and just make sure that, you know, things are better here when I leave. I feel like that's been kind of my biggest thing now. Uh, do you kind of appreciate some of the little stuff more? Like, I remember this is a terrible comparison because I was just your average Joe college student, but I remember getting like to your last year and whether it's like social stuff or whatever, it's kind of like, all right, I've done this three or four times. I'm kind of soak in this last one. Do you think you'll kind of appreciate some of the little stuff along the way a little more as this is your last ride? Yeah, 100%. I mean, Every day, you know, it's it's something new, you know. And I was just thinking about that the other day, you know, going into the camp, you know, this is probably going to be the last camp. And, you know, camp's always, you know, camp, but it's uh, a grind. But, you know, try to enjoy even things like camp, you know, because I'll never, you know, be at Ole Miss again for another camp. Um, we just try to enjoy all the guys as best as I can. You were a pretty good athlete in high school, weren't you? You were an all-state basketball player. Are you still hooping these days? I heard Trigg was pretty good. I imagine Kiffin probably wouldn't be thrilled about a ton of pickup games going on at this point in the year, but what's kind of your basketball prowess at this point? Yeah, I can still play. I don't play a ton anymore just because even, like, in high school, I was rolling my ankle more playing basketball than football. But, I mean, every now and again, I keep a ball in my car, and, like, when I'm able to go back home to Illinois, I still got the – like, that. my driveway is, like, a little half court. So I'll still just put up, some, you know, just shoot around or whatever like I used to when I was a kid. But, I mean, I can't really remember last time I, like, ran and played pickup, things like that, just because I'm just, you know, I don't want to roll my ankle. Even if it's just a rolled ankle, I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't think that would go very well if you're like, hey, I have a rolled ankle. And they're like, well, how'd you do it? It's like, well, I was dunking. Like, I don't think that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just not a good look. <laughs> what was kind of your game in hoops? Like, what kind of player were you? Were you in the post? Did you kind of do a little bit of everything? What was that like? So I, I always played ba- basketball was kind of my main thing up until I was like 16 years old. I thought that was always gonna be the sport that uh, I'd play in college and everything. So uh, and, and in Illinois, basketball is such a big deal. You know, yeah. like it was kind of like, you know, that's what we that's what we did. Everybody played basketball. Um, so I like would always play really big AAU basketball. And I, I was always pretty tall, but I was never very big. And I was, you know, pretty tall, like I said. So there's always still kids taller than me and bigger than me. So, you know, when I was like at an early in my high school career and always through middle school, like I could go out and shoot threes, like, you know, put the ball on the floor, get to the rim and 
help handle the ball and pass. So once I got to uh, high school and I started to get bigger, that's when I really started to kind of play more in the paint area. But I, I still kept all those skills with me. When's the last time you tried to dunk? Oh, uh, I know I – I know I dunked last year. I, haven't, I mean, I haven't even picked up a ball in such a long time. I'm still very confident that I could dunk right now. But I'll I just say, have to your height, it's probably not much of a like, – it's not as much of a, like, can I still do this type of thing? It's like, how high can I get? Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm still very confident with all the football workouts. I could still slam one down. But, <laughs> like, I, like, I just haven't – you know, I haven't been on the court in such a long time. Yeah, Absolutely. You know? Um, do you, are you like, what's kind of your favorite sport outside of football? Like, do you have a favorite team you follow, whether that be hoops, baseball, whatever, um, outside of football? Yeah, I grew up a huge Chicago sports fan. So, I mean, it was always okay. Cubs, Bulls, Bears, Blackhawks. And those were kind of like my teams I really, uh, grew up watching and rooting for. So you mentioned like the Cubs and, and the, uh, the, particularly the Cubs part of it. Like the, how do you become a White Sox fan? I've always wondered that. Is that just like passed down to you? Cause like, I don't meet very many of those. You're kind of around that area. What is that? Like, it seems like everyone's a Cubs fan, but obviously the Sox have fans. How does like the Cubs White Sox split go down as a guy from there or from around? Yes. Yeah, so Chicago is like, uh, it's North side, South side. That's kind of how it's viewed as like, uh, I think South side Chicago is more White Sox fans than North yeah. side. Um, I think, you know, I might need to double check that. I probably should know that. I'm fairly sure that's pretty sure that's right though. And I feel like Cubs are just generally the more popular team. Like, you know, it's Wrigley, it's Ernie Banks, it's Ryan Sandberg. That's kind of how you think of. And I feel like that's just kind of the big thing. Cause it's like, you know, you, Wrigley is just one of those historic places that it's like, even when the Cubs aren't very good, like place is going to be sold out just cause it's Wrigley. And it's, it's an awesome environment. It's a great place to be. And there's so much history with it. That place is pretty awesome. The one – I actually grew up a Cubs fan. I'm not as much anymore. I worked in Major League Baseball for like a little bit, so I was kind of like, right, I, it's kind of faded. The one Cubs game I went to, Carlos Zambrano hit a home run in a game he pitched. Probably. One to nothing. And I was like, all right, this is, un, this is not exactly exciting, but this is actually kind of cool at the same time. Yeah. So really, yeah. He's a good guy. I doubt it. Uh, no my favorite Carlos Zambrano thing was when they got in a fight and he took his belt off and tried to choke yeah, someone. Yeah. That's uh, always exciting. <laughs> yeah, he was, like, breaking the Gatorade coolers every time he got pulled out. That guy was nuts. If you weren't playing football, what do you think you'd be doing right now? Like, career-wise, I guess. That's tough. Um, I, I've, I'm kind of all over the place with, like, what I want to do in a career. So, outside of football, you know, I really like real estate. You know, I've talked about coaching and doing, like, maybe insurance. Kind of, kind of all over the map. There you go. You're rocking the Mims insurance shirt. You might be an agent yeah. by birthday. And if you get in the NFL, I'm sure there's State Farm commercials to be had for you too. Um, exactly. So keep that one in mind. Do you still have the best hands on the team? I, I heard yeah. quote in yeah. high school. I heard it wasn't received quite as well when you started telling the receivers that don't miss that. What's that story like? And you still got pretty good hands. Yeah, I got the best hands. I love that. How was it like that? Uh, how was it like, uh, like when you ran that one, did you run that one by Elijah Moore? I could see him being like, oh, what, who is this guy? Like who, who, like when you ran that by the first time, who kind of gave you the eye roll? I don't, I don't think I ever told Elijah I had the best hand. <laughs> I got to stay away from that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just like to mess with guys like Mingo and Dennis, uh, get more guys my age with it. Do they let you hit the jugs machine after practice? Uh, I've hit the jugs machine with Hess like once or twice and, with Plumlee before, so. There you go. With the power move is you take the gloves off and you start catching that barehanded. You're like, I don't need these sissy gloves. What are y'all doing over there? So keep that one. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Got our last couple of things for you, just a couple of rapid fire things. Favorite cheat meal. If you're kind of going off the nutrition plan, you have a meal or a day where you can eat whatever you want. What are you doing? Man. I live right by Southern Coop. So Southern Coop sometimes if I'm like, I'm just going to eat whatever, I can just walk. Right there. Oh, that's solid. The wing, do you yeah. hit the wings there? Those wings are unbelievable. Yeah, those wings are awesome. They're the best. That's a uh that's a solid choice. Do you uh what do you like to do when you don't play football? I know you're kind of into golf. How's the how's the handicap going? Uh it's gotten better actually. There you go. It's gotten a lot better. Uh I actually played today. I only played the back nine. Didn't warm up though, so I shot like eight over on the on the back nine. But that's not bad. Not bad. Um I like to play video games too. I love movies. I'm a big movie guy. I'd rather, I personally like, I like watching TV, but I prefer to just put a movie on rather than like binge watch a show. Oh, hell yeah. Favorite movie? Favorite movie? Probably Goodwill Hunting. That's a solid one. So are you like, like, are you talking like, how into it are you? Like, are you giving Rotten Tomatoes reviews or are you just kind of a, consider yourself a little bit of a movie buff? How far down the movie rabbit hole are you? I wouldn't consider myself like a Rotten Tomatoes kind of guy. I do like to, you know, give myself like an own my own little rating on movies. But I mean, I really, like I said, like I really like movies. So if anybody's ever like, oh, have you seen whatever? You know, I'll try to find it on like Netflix or Hulu or whatever and try to watch it. Before a game, I was gonna I'll ask this a fancier way. I was gonna say what's your favorite type of music, but like for a get before a game, what's going for you on the headphones or Beats, whatever you guys are wearing these days? A little bit of everything for me. Listen, like really anything. I don't. I don't really play too much into like. A, oh, I have to like listen to a certain playlist or whatever. You know, I do have a playlist, but I'm not like. Oh, I can't listen to this. It's game day. Like I'll listen to whatever. I mean, there might be Drake and Jay Z on there, whomever. Um, and there also might be like like Five Finger Death Punch before the game. Like you just really don't know what's going to be on the shuffle before the game on the playlist. Last thing, do you have a talent that people may not know about you? You may not have one, but your guy, Mason Brooks, I asked him this question for another interview, and he just blurted out immediately that he was on the fencing team in high school and then proceeded to show me his Legos. And I was like, this guy is a renaissance man. Holy cow. Are you fencing? What, what kind of talents do you have? Oh, I wouldn't say I have anything that cool. I can cook. There other you go. That, I, I feel like that's more of a life skill, but – other than that, I wouldn't say I have any, like, really, like, cool things like that. <laughs> Go-to meal. Because, like, you say it's a life school. Your guy on the other end here, I could screw up a Pop-Tart. So, like, I, I, there's no cooking involved in over here. So, what's your go-to meal? Uh, trying to think of something cool. I mean, I, I like to, you know, like I said earlier, I like to always kind of balance out the carbs and veggies and everything. Um a lot of it too is like I'll maybe make like chicken, pasta, asparagus, or like Brussels sprouts, potatoes, and steak. Uh, probably the most creative thing I I, I got is I I'll make like chuck or like stuffed chicken breasts. Yeah. Um, and make that with like uh, asparagus or Brussels sprouts and like sweet potato fries. Awesome. He is Nick Broker, SEC left guard, five star chef, all man of many talents. Scratch golfer. I appreciate the time, my man. This was a ton of fun, and we'll do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And that was the Nick Broker Show. Appreciate his time. I really enjoyed catching up with him. Check out MIMS Insurance, independent insurance agent there in Oxford. 
And uh, we'll be back with the normal pod on Friday, but um, we will have another one of these coming here, uh, probably as camp gets underway, somewhere around then. But I hope you guys enjoyed something a little different and uh, looking forward to doing more of these.